This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 48, ALDS preview, with special guest Barrett Rolfing, recorded on October 3rd, 2016. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast. As always, with your host, me, Matt Lyons, and Jason Newcart. Jason, how are you doing? I, uh, I'm devastated by the Indians not winning 105 games. I told myself anything less than that would be a disappointment. So the division title, uh, it's worthless to me. Well, I'm, I'm okay now, but if they don't win two World Series by the end of November, this team is just awful, and this series, this whole, this whole season is pointless, and it was a waste of my time and everybody else's time. <laughs> I do like the idea of winning two World Series, of like winning the World Series, and then like, no, we're going to double down. We're going back for another one. <laughs> the other team doesn't even try. They just go in there and win the second one, and it just counts. Why not? <laughs> so, yeah, obviously, uh, for everybody who follows us normally, we usually post on Friday, but this is going to be a little Tuesday. We might be doing Tuesdays from now on. At the very least, we're doing Tuesday now to preview the ALDS. And to help us preview it, uh, we have one of our other writers who hasn't been on yet. You've probably seen him... What is it? Wednesdays and Saturdays. I'm horrible at getting titles. I guess I'd call him a feature writer. But uh, Merritt Rolfing. Merritt, thanks for joining us. Oh, not at all. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I think you might be, other than Jason and the Maddox, you may be the only writer to have one of his articles sort of mentioned on TV. <laughs> it was mentioned. It was tangentially mentioned. And I, <laughs> I've mentioned that in interviews sometimes when I'm trying to get a real writing job. Of course. I know it. <laughs> Just that one clip of Andre not saying, I don't know where I got this, but <laughs> he knows where he got it. <laughs> he knows damn right where he got it, Andre. <laughs> so yeah, um, I figure we'll start kind of quickly about the Royal series. I mean, I, we didn't have a podcast last week, but I don't think anybody wants to talk about two weeks worth of regular season games with the playoffs coming up. So let's just talk about sweeping the Royals. Uh, the Indians, three games, of course. Overall, they'll run the last six against the Royals. But this last series in particular, they swept the Royals, outscored them 16-7. to uh, the first game, Indians 7, Royals 2, that was a blowout. Second one, Indians 6, Royals 3, close enough to a blowout. And the last game was a really close 3-2 to two game. Uh, Merritt, what stuck out uh, for those for you, for those three games? I, I guess resiliency would be the buzzword I'd use to describe that whole series. You know, I mean, which is not to say they came back to win each and every game. It's just the, the Indians played this year especially in that series, and really all year against the Central, like the Royals did, I suppose, in 2015. The Royals did look I mean, they look gassed. You know, they're a tired team. They're kind of busted up uh, from injuries and whatnot. I'm really sad, especially that Lorenzo Cain was not at his full powers. I love watching that guy play baseball. But, um, no, I just, the Indians just looked like a team on a mission, and the Royals looked like a couple of guys who just didn't want to be playing baseball anymore, to tell you the <laughs> truth. They, looked like they were just like, we're, we're, come on, we got a championship last year. Let's uh, let's get this one over with. You know, the, take the winner off, heal up, and try and win again next year. I don't know. It's just... I didn't watch all three games, especially on Sunday, because it was happening. Uh, a lot of it was happening during football time. But, um, Boo. well, hey, listen, <laughs> all right, it's uh, it's it's a once it's a once a week thing, I and mean, it's October. What can you do? Um, but no, it was a it was a fun series to kind of finish the uh, the season off with. And I did catch the second half of the game on on Sunday just because I was watching like I was using the the mosaic method on uh, MLB TV, so I could watch that the Red Sox game. The Tigers game, and then also the Dodgers game. Just like listening to Vince Scully one last time, and uh, you know, it's a good way to cruise on into the uh, postseason on a very, very high note. Yeah, the the baseball fan part of me would have kind of liked to see the Indians beat a full powered Royals team where they're trying, but yeah, the petty part of me liked just beating the dead corpse of the Royals <laughs> while they were already giving up and wanting to go home. So that was fun. Oh, and I nearly forgot. I'm sorry. Yeah, and on the Friday night, apparently, you know. My, I don't know whose whose namesake is who there, but a man named Merritt beat, beat the Royals. So I was I was very happy about it. It counts that. for you. That, that's important. It counts yeah, for you. Right, it does. I can't wait to get that jersey, man. I'm finally gonna buy. I haven't bought an Indians jersey since I was like twelve or something like that. I didn't even pay for that one. So I finally <laughs> well, have forever. one. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it'll, it'll look it'll look weird to other people. Like who is what's like? I have a Drew Stubbs uh, jersey because my girlfriend's oh. last name is Stubbs. And it was free, and it's just weird to have because he's on the team for what a year. But you know, I like, it's it's good to have a weird random shirt like that. And the merit one is definitely going to be one for a long time. Oh yeah, definitely. So what stuck out to you, Jason? Uh, it was 
Nice to uh, get home field against Boston. Uh, I don't think home field's a massive difference in baseball, but uh, the Indians have been way better at home than away, so it was nice the way that worked out. Uh, it was nice to not let the Royals finish with their winning record. Uh, to go from World Series to not even a winning record was fun. And then my beloved Carlos Santana uh, hitting a double and a triple on Friday and then doing the same thing on Saturday, becoming the first uh, Indians player in 80 years to have back-to-back games like that and the first oh. American League player at all since Adrian Beltre a decade ago. So uh, I love Carlos, and he's been fantastic for the last month, maybe the best season of his career. Um but so I had a lot of fun watching. Runs, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot of fun watching him finish strong, and then Lindor hitting again after his big slump. Uh, you know, getting I think three extra base hits over the weekend, um, and maybe putting to rest some of the concerns about his back going into the postseason. Yeah, that's the thing I was going to bring up mainly was the um, Lindor snapping out of that slump because he was really bad for a while. So that's good to see him come out. And he also had another hit on Saturday. I don't. Did he have one on Sunday too? I don't remember. Did he, he did not have a home run, run now. On Sunday, he did. He did not. He did not have a home run on Sunday. Oh, okay. I, didn't, I didn't realize Santana an OPS well over a thousand, over nearly eleven hundred, if not over the last thirty games. Also, I mean, I knew he was beating hell out of the ball, but yeah, no, I mean, the last was incredible. Month, uh, he was tied for the major league lead in WAR, uh-huh. uh, and was you know I think like third or something in the American League and in, in weighted runs created plus. Uh, yeah, he was tied with like Mike Trout for most WAR and. Major League Baseball for September in those first couple of days of October. So he was legitimately awesome the last yeah. five weeks. And Santana's on a winning team, so that makes him better. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, he gets my MVP bill right there. Because the Indians in the playoffs and the Angels aren't. So, I mean, you kind of have to. <laughs> well, Trout didn't hit, hit 30 home runs either. So what, exactly. what do you want? You know, come on. Just trade him to the Indians. It's fine. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing we didn't mention is Jan Gomes came back. He was eligible Saturday, but he actually played Sunday, and he home run, hit a home run. Was it his first pitch, or was it just his first at bat? I'm pretty sure it was his first pitch. It was his first he hit a home run. I don't remember first if it was his swing. first pitch, though, yeah. yeah. Either way, he killed the first ball he hit since July, so that's cool to see. Mm-hmm. But part of me is sad because Roberto Perez, he's still going to get playing time, but I want him to be the playoff hero in redemption, and it'll be like watching my first kid born again. Well, that's a very good question, though, too. I mean, Will, who would you rather have behind the plate at this point? I mean... I've written a couple times now in the last couple of weeks about how defense plays such a big part in the in the uh, postseason just because so, so many small things can ruin you very quickly. And Gomes has regressed as a defensive catcher for the last two years, pretty much. So I don't know. I mean, which one would you really ra- rather have behind the plate? I'm not saying that Perez can hit nearly as well as Gomes theoretically could, but he could also maybe hit as well as Gomes has been for the last, you know, year-ish, right? I don't know. I just, it's, it's one of those things to actually consciously think about. Considering the way Gomes throws out people on base, I mean, what, he, he got Terrence score twice in the last week and a half or whatever, less than a week. So I think that's something that's an actual question to honestly consider, and maybe I'll write about it for Wednesday. Thanks for the idea. Excellent. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, it is, I don't, I would be more comfortable if Jan was back for like a week and we could see. I don't like the idea of just testing out Kenny Hit and like game three of the ALDS. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Uh, I think Roberto Perez can at least hit the way that Jan has this season, which isn't good, but. I trust Roberto Perez enough to stay as the starter through the playoffs. What about you, Jason? I think I think Perez is the starter for now. Um, I, I think if Gomes has hit that home run, I don't know that he's on the ALDS roster. Um, I mean, I think Sunday in part was about seeing what he looked like at the plate um, since he hadn't hit in a game for you know a while. I think if he goes 0 for 3 or something like that, there's a you know a pretty good chance they just keep uh, Jimenez. And there's some talk of them having three catchers, which I would be against, yeah. uh, given that none of them are really guys you want to use as a pinch hitter. So I mean, I, I but I really I think if Gomes goes 0 for 3 yesterday, um, they let him swing the bat in the cages during the ALDS, and then if he looks decent there and they beat Boston, then I think he would have been added. I don't think one hit's going to be enough to make him the starter again. So I think Perez is the game one starter, game two starter. Now, you know, if Prez goes like 0 for 7 in those two games, uh, you know, I could see Gomes uh, being moved in at that point. Uh, but I, I think the job for the postseason is still Perez's to lose, given that he's played well for – he's played good defense all season, and he's finally been hitting reasonably well for the last month or so. Yeah, the three-catcher thing that I saw, it was – I'm sure there's more than just this, but somebody suggesting to leave Michael Martinez off, but – 
I'd rather just, I don't like Martinez either, but I'd rather have him there. He can at least sort of play more than one position. I guess Chris Jimenez could play third base, maybe, technically. He could stand there and hope the ball doesn't come to him, but <laughs> at the very least, Martinez can play a couple positions, even if it's not playing great. So, Well, and the argument like I saw was, if you have three catchers, you can you can pinch hit for them more readily, but but if you're carrying the three of them, like who are you pinch hitting with? Like you, right. you don't have bats you really want to come off the bench at that point. I mean, you've got the outfield platoon, but those guys are mostly pinch hitting for each other. If you know a, a lefty comes in or a righty comes in, I don't know. I I don't see the logic of having three catchers at all. And I hope when the roster gets announced in a, in I assume you know Thursday morning or maybe late Wednesday that uh, there are not three catchers on it. Well, maybe for the World Series, but even, I mean, are they really going to be doing that much pinch hitting against Boston and then whoever, if they make it to the ALCS, whoever that would, I mean, it's just, I know Tito loves to move people around like that, but it just seems like it would be a little bit too much movement, moving guys around, especially with the amount of platooning they have to do in the outfield to make it a viable offensive outfield, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. There's just not enough people on the bench to pinch hit. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, I don't think the only other important thing there is because of the sweep and because of Boston losing. We don't have to play the useless game today that would have been played at one o'clock. So, Indians got an extra day rest. Some very small, stupid part of me wanted them to play the game because Carlos Santana was at ninety-nine walks, and I wanted to see him. <laughs> I I will I will submit is, that better be a very small part for them to have to fly to Detroit today. <laughs> the only other reason, minor reason, would be. Making the Tigers play right after they get eliminated. That'd be fun. <laughs> Hopefully they cry running the bases. That'd be a little extra fun. Sure it would have been a big crowd in Detroit today. <laughs> they lost two or three to the Braves to miss the postseason. Oh, that'd be, oh, be crazy. Man, and you know Miguel Cabrera would have gone. I know I, would, I don't want to see him wail on the uh, Indians too much more, but one more game would allow him to get probably 40 home runs, and I like round numbers. <laughs> And maybe could have gotten. Uh, can you get really get your on, on base percentage up seven points in one game? Maybe he could. I don't know. Maybe he just go five for five with two home runs. If anybody can, he probably could. <laughs> I'm saying against the Indians to get all his hate out one more time. <laughs> I would have been fine with Carlos Santana leading off the game with a walk, and then the Indians being like, "We forfeit." See you guys. Later. <laughs> <laughs> so as soon as he touches first base, everybody leaves. And <laughs> <laughs> Jason's the only one in the crowd cheering. Yeah, I'm up there. Woo! <laughs> Round numbers. Well, because you know when you when you uh, forfeit a game, the other team wins nine to nothing. Who gets those runs? I, I've I've never actually yeah, thought about that until that. just now. Like, where That's do those really runs? And th- yeah. Like, do they? Does every t- every starting player on the other team get one one run scored added to their numbers? But then who gets the hits? Who gets yeah, the doubles? Like, no one gets those runs. But then it's weird that the team total doesn't actually match up with like exactly. It's, it's very it's strange. A, it's a small thing. I'm curious about now. I never thought <laughs> about. I don't it know why. It's not like I can't even understand the logic of needing to pick a score. Well, I always like, assumed it was uh, one run per inning, you know, like to make it obvious. I'm sure that's what it is. Yeah, yeah I guess that's well, really. Know, what it, yeah, it's like why does there need to be a score at all? Can't they just say like one by forfeit and that's it? You got to you got to have numbers somewhere. This is baseball, but then where the where the runs go? You know, everything has, has to be come up before, or is it just in the rules? What about winning nine to nothing? Or yeah, has anybody who, ever forfeited before? I can't. Oh think yeah, of no, no, it, I mean, oh really? I'm, I'm sure happened. it's happened. I mean, they have the rules behind it. I can. Yeah. It's happened. I mean, managers used to like legitimately pull their team off the field every once in a while, like get thrown out of the game. Dick, hell with this, we're out of here. Ah. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> but it's not like your run differential actually matters. It's, it'd be weird, right. like if it was like a tiebreaker. I could see like if you forfeit, you're going to be penalized. No, and you're nine. But uh, run differential isn't an actual thing that like matters for. The, I don't know. It's it's bizarre that they feel like there needs to be a score, much less that it shouldn't just be one nothing. So right. ten cent beer night was a uh, forfeited oh, yeah. game. So that was one. Uh, D- Disco demolition night was a uh, forfeited game. A couple other times when the fans started throwing trash on the field and things like that. You know, just, that makes sense. Just classic baseball times. Yeah. <laughs> it needs to do that for the playoffs. Ten cent beer disco smashing night. Oh, oh, see. And then release a bunch of balloons into the air. That's how just you do bring every them in. terrible decision at once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, and somebody asked, I'm not sure if this is the first team to ever have back-to-back 161-game seasons. I know I joked that because MLB is doing this game 162 branding, so they must hate the Indians right now because they're completely <laughs> no, ruined. Uh, Jordan Bastian said, he tweeted yesterday that uh, the Indians 
1996 and 1997, the Indians also only played 161, which 94 and 95 were the two seasons that were shortened by the strike. So the Indians actually at one point went four seasons in a row without playing a full 162. That's crazy. That's amazing that that happened. At the end, uh, this happened this many times. You said the, the same team, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, see, MLB must really hate them because I don't. I don't know if that was this year that it started when they had that crazy game a couple years or that crazy day. What year was it? A few years was, ago, where something happened on the last day, and now they just started making it a thing. It was, Even though it was like game one sixty two with the Braves. Yeah, I think it was twenty eleven. Yeah. It's like, actually really crazy with all the possibilities for Monday games between the Indians and Tigers potential makeup and all the potential. Like none of it happened. Every like single thing that needed to happen to avoid Monday baseball actually happened. And I am okay with that. Yeah, I mean, it would have been fun for to see it happening in other areas of right. baseball, perhaps. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to see the Indians playing today because it would have been a that would have rolled out just their B B squad. I, I just I don't need that much Michael Martinez and <laughs> who are some other guys we would have seen get a get an attack. Whoever, whoever played, yeah, whoever all those guys who played um, the day after they clinched, we would have seen that lineup rolled out there again. And I mean, I saw that enough in spring training. I don't want to see it again until. March. We're, you don't we're, want to see okay. Chris Jimenez third baseman again? Oh Lord, Lord in heaven, no! <laughs> uh, oh man, I mean, it would have given uh, Abel Monte one more shot up there in the field, I guess. But yeah, yeah no. Been. Eric Gonzalez, perhaps, you know. Yep. Oh, but then Azus Aguilar. Oh man, of all the uh, there's still people that want him time. to get a chance. I don't. Oh, of course, I mean, well, because yeah, he hit the ball hard. But, no, he's he's a bad player. He's a bad major league baseball player. And but he, he hit he the ball hard that one time I watched him, so he's good. Oh, he sure did. He had a 718 OPS last year. He got real almost playing. Ugh. But That's bad. The, the players like that are what, are what happened. You have a garbage, garbage farm system, as the Indians did for so long. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, for a while, he was actually like a touted prospect. Oh, yeah. He was like, a top, he was like a top 10 prospect for a little while there, and people realized he was terrible, you know. <laughs> That's why I love prospects. All, all that all that prospect sheen to begin with, and then it all falls off so quickly when you, when you realize they can't hit a curveball. I guess this is a bad time to announce that we're going to have Jesus Aguilar next week on the show. Oh, God. <laughs> He's texting me right now. It's canceled. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so uh, let's look ahead. Uh, nothing exciting coming up at all. I mean, it's just, you know, another, another week of baseball. Week. Just, no, it's the playoffs. It's ALDS. Last time the Indians played the Red Sox in the playoffs. Let's not talk about that too much. But in 2007, things didn't go well. Last time the Indians were in the playoffs at all was 2013, and things didn't go well. Mm. Um, but yeah, today's schedules were released. Game one, Thursday, uh, 8 at night. It's going to be Bauer versus Rick Porcello. Friday at 4.30, it's going to be Kluber and Price. Sunday at 4, it's going to be Tomlin and maybe Eduardo Rodriguez. I don't know. They haven't announced it yet. And game 4 and 5 if they're necessary. Monday and Wednesday, but no times yet. So I figure we'll just kind of go game by game. We don't have to get into like very specific things, but just general thoughts on the pitching matchups and what kind of things could develop. So game 1 on Thursday, it's going to be Bauer and Porcello. Obviously, this is Bauer's first career postseason start. This is only Porcello's fifth. I don't know what it is with him, but I always think he's way older, and I think he's been in a lot more playoffs games. But he's only been in one, I think, one postseason. All four starts were with the Tigers. Or was it fewer starts? I don't know. He doesn't have that many starts in the postseason, but it was all with the Tigers. So two relatively new pitchers. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on game one coming up in a couple days here? Uh, mine is that Rick Porcello's, in a weird way, is neither as good or as bad as he seems to be getting credit for. I feel like everyone's either Rick Porcello has got to win the Cy Young, or everyone's like, oh, Rick Porcello, just because he won 22 games doesn't mean he should win the Cy Young. Uh, And I think that second argument, while I agree that him winning 22 games does not mean he should win the Cy Young, I feel like that argument completely misses the point uh, that Rick Porcello has been really, really good this year. Uh, And while he wouldn't quite get my Cy Young, but I don't think... He would not be a bad pick. He's been really good. Um, he's definitely the better pitcher. Uh, you know, Bauer has been up and down and, and has great games. Um, but Porcello's been fantastic this year. Uh, and he's a tough matchup for the Indians right out of the gate. So I, I'm, I'm concerned about the lineup uh, going against him. Uh, so that's my initial thought is Porcello's the real deal this season. Yeah, he is. He, he's one of the few people where I think if Kluber loses the Cy Young, I wouldn't think it's a crime if it goes to Porcello. I don't I don't think I'd vote for him either, but it's not the worst thing in the world. The 22 wins I don't care about, but he is tied for the lead in Fangraphs 4. He's got a really good FIP and an ERA. I think his ERA is lower than Kluber's. Yeah, McClure's FIP is lower. but So they're really close. I'd be okay with either of them, I think. But he's definitely better than Bauer, for sure. I don't know what to make of him. I still don't. It's been 
how many years have we been watching him pitch? And, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just he was good. And he, or he was mediocre for a little while there with the uh, Tigers. He was their fifth starter when they had that amazing rotation with Verlander and Scherzer and Sanchez when he was good. And then he got bad when he got traded to the Red Sox. And then he's amazing this year. And like, I've been I've been trying to figure this out for, for weeks now. Like I, You look at his pitch usage, nothing jumps out at you. Has he gotten better at throwing any one thing? I don't even know. Like, it's obviously he's a beneficiary of getting six runs a game and run support, something like that. Um, okay, I got that offense he plays in front of him is amazing. But he's, I mean, I, I guess you could just have to say, as you said, Jason, I don't think he's as good as or as bad as anyone says he is. I think he's a very good pitcher. I think he's better than Bauer. But then again, on the other side of that, I still don't know what to make of Trevor Bauer. I think he's. He doesn't make any sense to me. I, he has these stretches where he's unhittable, and then he's, he has these stretches where he's throwing batting practice. And I can't wait for the matchup because it's such a intri- intriguing, not because of the the pitchers facing off against each other or against the team they're facing, but because of the pitchers themselves. Like, they're just, who are these guys? I, I still don't know. One of them, He's still only 27 years old. Like, he's been around seemingly forever, right? Like you said. Mm-hmm. So, yep. I don't know. Yeah, it'll be a neat <laughs> matchup. Um what if Bauer locks it in? I don't know. What if all of a sudden he figures literally everything out and it all clicks and he's perfect? I don't know. Maybe he'll flourish under the bright lights. Maybe he won't. I don't know. There's so many maybes to the pitching matchup. Yeah, I think it was you that said um, he seems like the type of pitcher who might take the postseason, like the focus that it requires for, and it might make him stay focused better than just being in the regular season. Yeah, you know, like I don't know. Maybe like he'll get a ton of vision and it'll be a good thing. Yeah, like like does is he? We, we 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 can't get in the mind of Trevor Bauer. Not that we'd ever want to, I don't think. But it's just it's seen. Maybe he gets bored out there. I mean, this was a it was a thing that people said about um, Justin Lindor. Berlander. Oh yeah. But, uh, years ago was when he first came up. When Justin Berlander first came up, he'd be throwing a shutout and he'd get bored in like the sixth or seventh inning, and just like start grooving fastballs because he's just like whatever. I mean, granted his stuff was light years better than anything Bauer's ever thrown, but. Does Bauer just get bored sometimes? He tries to fiddle out there when he just because there's 162 of these games. I don't know. I mean, that's a that's a mean, almost a mean thing to say about an athlete that they're not taking their job seriously. But hey, maybe it'll be. And yeah, so I did write about that. Maybe his own mentality will be to so study and focus his opponent because every pitch does matter so much more than it does in, in regular season. That maybe it'll lead to something. I don't know. I've always thought it was more kind of the opposite that he takes it too seriously. Like he's overthinking everything. Because okay. he posted he posted that really neat um like video where he just strapped a GoPro on his head and what he was doing before a game. Mm-hmm. A lot of things go through his head with every pitch. Like he's looking at the spin axis of the ball and I think sometimes he might overthink. He's like the opposite of getting bored. He's just so intense on every little thing that maybe it just blows up in his face sometimes. But I don't know. Yeah, like he you said, we're not the mind of Trevor Bauer. He may he seems to like just back and forth with the catcher so much. Like he knows the pitch he wants to throw so badly. And the catcher's like, no, just don't, maybe don't do this so much. And that's one of those things Mickey <laughs> Callaway talked about in the past was simplifying the things that he throws. Cause he has theoretically what seven pitches or something like that. There's even a cool yeah. video that he released this past off season where he was, he works out for, um, it's a guy I follow on Twitter um, for driveline pitching. I think it's called. Yeah. Driveline but, uh, baseball. Yeah, driveline baseball. And he threw a curveball that kind of acted like a screwball. Essentially saying, to, all this to say, he just he he loves pitching so much or he, he takes it so much into seriousness. That, I don't know. Maybe he was trying too hard. And maybe he'll just try hard to get guys out. I don't know. I've I've ran, I suddenly went on a rant there and I've lost my train of thought. But all this to say, I think Bauer could be fine in the postseason or it'll be a hideous mess. And that's why it's such an intriguing pitching matchup. Yeah, for sure. He's gonna be. It's gonna be interesting to see what he does. Um, and getting back to Porcello, I think my general thought on him after looking at him a little bit more is that he's like Super Saiyan Josh Tomlin. <laughs> like if Tomlin could do what he does really, really well, because Porcello doesn't walk a ton. He also doesn't strike out a ton. He doesn't get a ton of ground balls. Well, I guess he gets quite a few, but not like a prolific rate or anything. But if Tomlin was really, really good, I think he'd be Porcello this year, basically. I've always thought that if Tom was really, really good and could throw 92, he'd be Roy Halladay. But I agree yeah. with you on it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's Porcello is essentially having a very, a very bad Roy Halladay season. <laughs> you could do worse than a bad Roy Halladay season. Oh hell yeah, you could. We've seen many. <laughs> we've seen it with the Indians many times over the last five years. Uh, Jason, any other thoughts on Game One? No, I mean, I think the series in general, Boston has the best lineup in baseball. Um, they're going to be a big challenge for every Indian starter, even Kluber. Um, so 
I don't think it's likely we're going to see. I think even if Bauer pitches well, he, I don't think he's going to totally shut down uh, the Boston lineup. Like I'd be shocked if he, you know, pitched like seven innings and, and you know seven shutout innings or only gave up one run. So the, the offense is going to have to score some runs, I think, to win these games. Uh, and you know, Porcello, he's he's good. And game two doesn't necessarily get any easier uh, to kind of segue into that because David Price will be on the mound for game two. And before we go on, I want to know, make sure you guys know, David Ortiz is retiring this year. <laughs> I, I don't know what? if you knew. <laughs> He's no. also been very good this year. I don't know if you heard. No, we're, I'm so sick. I really want the Indians. It's like Tim Tebow. I, I don't hate Ortiz. I just hate all the attention he's getting now. Mm-hmm. It's just mind-numbingly annoying, and I would love for the Indians to end his season. <laughs> yeah, I would if, hate for if, him to advance from here. If if you told me the Indians couldn't win the World Series this year, but they would beat Boston, uh, I think I would just take that. <laughs> Ending David Ortiz's career, beating the Red Sox. Um, yeah, I, I, maybe that's sort of like defeatist, and I should just hold out hope for, that they're going to win the World Series. And I think they could win the World Series, but I'll be really, really satisfied if they beat Boston, uh, no matter what happens after that. Yeah, so cold-hearted, jeez. <laughs> not, not that I disagree I, with you at all. But, I mean, uh. My closest equivalent to this is I grew up like almost hating Pittsburgh more than I liked Cleveland at first. And then in 2006, when Jerome Bettis retired, that was the most annoying postseason run ever because he was born in Detroit and the Steelers were going to win in Detroit and I wanted it to end so bad. This is getting close to that annoyance level, which I imagine if Ortiz, the closer it gets to the World Series, it's going to be like a getting closer to a black hole kind of thing. Well, it's going what, to what would theoretically be worse? That or what's go, what could very well happen in the, in the National League? I mean, just that's between the, the, if the Cubs made it to the World Series and they faced David Ortiz and oh, the no. World I don't even want to approach discussing this now, but it's just, just everyone remember it could very well get much worse than we're in the situation we're in right now. So uh, game two is going to be Friday at four thirty. This is probably the pitching matchup that's I don't know, it's the better pitchers maybe sort of almost. I don't want to call it more intriguing because, like you said, I think seeing Bauer and Porcello is really interesting. But I really want to see Kluber in the postseason and David Price for as good he's as he usually is in the regular season, not so much this year all year long, but. He's been really bad in the playoffs, but that only lasts until he's not. So maybe this is the game he starts being good. But we're going to see quite a pitching matchup here. Uh, Kluber's first postseason game. David Price, his first as a Red Sox. These two played each other, obviously, on their opening day because they were both the number one starters. David Price won that one pretty handily. Kluber, having his normal April start, didn't do so great. So, uh, Jason, what are your thoughts on game two, Kluber and Price? Well, I mean, I, I think unlike game one, I think in game two, the Indians do have the better pitcher. Uh, you know, Price is one of the best pitchers in baseball, even in a down year. That down year, in a lot of ways, was a bad first half of the season. And, you know, when you look at, like, going back to the beginning of July, his numbers look a lot more like what you expect them to look like. He's a three-three-three ERA uh, for the second, you know, for the last three-plus months now. Um so he's kind of put it back together, but Kluber's better than him. Kluber's, you know, when you look at the last three years as a whole, I mean, Clayton Kershaw is the best pitcher in baseball. And after that, I feel like Kluber has as, as strong a case for number two as anyone. Um, so, I, but the big question mark about Kluber is how is he going to look after, you know, the relatively minor injury, but still an injury that that took him out of a game early and just, they decided to skip a start. So, I'm a little antsy, just uh, you know, the the best pitcher on the team. Two weeks ago, I had no concerns about Kluber, and the injury just means there has to be, I think, some concern about him. Yeah, and with already losing two pitchers, that makes it so much worse. I mean, if Carrasco and Salazar were still there, I don't think I'd be worried too much about Kluber. But just the fact that he's the last of the big three left is really worrying, I think. Uh, what about you, Merritt? I mean, I think that's the real issue, too, is they – this is very much. It's it's hard to say this now when Florida series has even begun. But I mean, Kluber has to be good. You know, I mean, it's I, I I'm not very trusting in Josh Tomlin, and yeah. and, the, and the other guy. Well, yeah, I, mean, I know breaking uh, news, right? But and then the other guy is. Uh, I mean, who else is going to be at? Like they're going to throw Bauer out there, and then they might throw him out there on short rest, and, or they're going to go with Mike Clevenger. Clevenger. Um, but I, they they need to win this game. Is the problem, and the, and the other problem there is. It's the best offense in baseball. They're the best at hitting the ball very hard. And Kluber has a problem with giving up very hard hit balls. 
It's mm-hmm. a thing that's kind of plagued him for a long time. Um, I mean, you could call it um, batter sequencing or whatever, whatever. There's a reason that all of a sudden it th- things seem to kind of collapse on him. He's not as good with people on base, and the Red Sox are going to get on base. And he's not as good. I don't know. He just he just he's not as lucky of a pitcher as you might think. That's why he, he has always such amazing splits between his uh, fielding independent pitching and his ERA is because he's just he has bad luck with these guys on base and he. He gives a pitch. He gets a lot of strike strikeouts. He doesn't give up many home runs, and he uh, doesn't walk very many people. But it's all the other stuff, you know. Now that being said, having an improved defense behind him has really helped him. And then, so I don't know. I'm I'm worried about that game for for two reasons. They need to win it because there's so little trust in the rest of the rotation. And then I just I don't know. I'm I'm worried about Corey Hoover facing such a a, a mashing lineup. I suppose. On the other hey. on the other, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. Keep going. Uh, and then on the other side, you know, David Price, uh, after you mentioned it, Jason, real quick, I just looked at his splits. I mean, he's been much better in the second half than he was in the first half. Not to say he's been great in the second half, but, you know, it's still 100 innings, a 350 ERA, and he's also left-handed. The Indians don't have the same problem with lefties as they used to. Um, part of that being that two of their best offensive players are, well, three of their best offensive players actually are switch hitters in Santana, Lindor, and Ramirez, and then, of course, their guy with the most power is right-handed in David Ortiz, and they got um, Brandon Geyer, which is, I mean, maybe the maybe the best secret, uh, subtle trade in the entire, like, I'm not even being, like, uh, hyperbolic. You're like, that's, no, that's a really that good trade. Be, that was an amazing trade. Like, he hit better than Beltran <laughs> or any of the big names. That, that, or, like, have you seen what, what Jay Bruce did for the Mets? The answer is nothing. <laughs> he's already getting booed. Uh, yeah, exactly. And he's well, no, they're all saying Bruce, of course. Oh, that's, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, but at the same time, David Price is still a very good pitcher. Um, his uh, his postseason numbers, such as they are, are not good. Um, but it's only sixty three innings and change. But they, he needs. I mean, Kluber can't have a bad game. Is the problem, and he's had all this time off. It's not a lot of time off, but he's also coming back from. He's not. He's definitely not one hundred percent. No one's one hundred percent in October, but. He's literally coming off an injury. Um, I mean, I hate to jump ahead too far, but just for the whole series, they're going to rely on the bullpen very much. Like the starters can't give up more than three runs at any start. That's why I'm hopeful for Bauer in the first uh, in, in the first game is because of, what three runs in, in six innings is a 4.50 ERA, which is above Trevor's for, for entire for entire season ERA. So that's fine with me. But the bullpen just has to be so good, and I think that's the the starting pitching. The Indians is not pretty, and so that has to be picked up by the bullpen. Sorry, I don't, I don't mean to jump ahead too far, but yeah. So oh, it's, you're right. But yeah, but game two is just, it's it's as close to a must win before the, the series even starts as you can get because we don't everything else is so is so unknown to the Indians starting pitching. Yeah, I can't imagine any scenario in game two where Kluber has a bad game that I feel good about it afterwards. Because if the Indians win game one, then you're going to go to game three and go to Boston split one one. Mm-hmm. And then you have Tomlin and Bauer, maybe Clevenger. And then yeah. obviously, if the Indians lose Game One and lose Game Two, then you're in panic mode for three straight games. So, yeah, I think that's—I wouldn't call an April game a must-win, but I would call that game a must-win almost no matter what. There's no way I feel good about Kluber losing there, mm-hmm. or at least—I mean, no, actually, no. I—I—I I, I wouldn't even say Kluber losing. I would say the Indians kind of have to win that game because yeah. otherwise, it's—it's it's just. Uh, I don't know. I'm 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 not I'm not excited about going to Boston with Tomlin in that park and then um, whoever. I mean, yeah. they should roll out Ryan Merritt. Why not? See, see, if he's, see if he's a good starting pitcher. Or, or <laughs> he's got a good name. Yeah, he's got that I I have this dream of them starting Danny Salazar for three innings and then just going from there. Uh, I can't remember yeah. which one of us it was that wrote that art. That a ama- was it was it Matt? That's I think? Matt. Yeah. Other man. That amazing article. I cannot pronounce his last name, so I wouldn't try. I've had to do it enough times. But that article kind of summed up what I want. But you know, essentially, you start um, Salazar for two or three innings, and you just kind of go from there because the bullpen is the strength that the Indians need to rely on here. So maybe I'm not as worried about Game Four, or whatever that would be, as maybe some others are. But yeah, Game Two is nerve wracking more more so than Game One because I'm just curious about, about Game One. Yeah. I think we can lump. We'll just lump all these last all this, games together. I mean, you guys are all game two is more nerve wracking than game one before game one happens. Like if the Indians win yes. game one, <laughs> yeah, they need to. They, they, it's their only good pitcher by track record, right? I mean, okay, but so if they lose game one and win game two, you feel okay. But if they win game one and lose game two, 
I mean, a split's a split. I mean, I agree with you in a sense, but I guess, all right, I'll say this. If they win game one and lose game two and, and Kluber looks bad, that's a real problem. If they win game one and lose game two, four to three, because, I don't know, Brian Shaw had a bad outing or somehow someone gets a hit off Andrew Miller or something like that, that's one thing. That's fine. But, I mean, if it's if it's a shelling, if, the, if they chase Kluber in three innings or something like that, then I'm worried. If, if his velocity's down, if it just everything is wrong, I don't know. Then that's a real problem because there's there's too many question marks surrounding that that are bad question marks rather than I'm curious question marks. Yeah, a long Kluber out I mean, in game two. Is a long game way. one, we probably are only going to see Kluber once. I, feel, well, I mean, I, I'm fully with you in that if Kluber looks bad, I'm going to be super super nervous. But if Bauer looks bad, I'm going to be. I mean, I, I don't think they they can't really survive with either of those two guys pitching poorly because they're. You know, they're counting on both of them to pitch two games in, in a short series. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I mean, this is my like my trouble with talking about a playoff series before it starts is like every game is absurdly important. Oh, so be, like sure. whatever the next game is, is the game that I'm stressed about. I'm not stressed about game two until game one ends. <laughs> and then I will be stressed about game two. But I feel like you guys are like, I don't know. I, I feel like you guys are <laughs> glossing over game one. <laughs> well, no, because a long Kluber outing in game two is going to go a long way. Like, I mean, if the bullpen is better for game three and four and more rested, that's way better. I would rather lose game one and win game two with Kluber looking really good than split the other way around. Because I want and, Kluber to have a long outing and have the bullpen be a little more rested. Because they'll get the extra day and then they'll have in Boston. And I have this irrational hope that second time around in a short series like that, Trevor Bauer will crack some sort of code and be a dominant <laughs> the second time around. I, I I tried proving this with numbers. I could not by looking at his, his second start. So against, now we go with hope. Hey, you know, I mean, the postseason doesn't make any sense when it comes to stats because it's it's all small sample sizes and Hideki Matsui hits 615, you know? So, I mean, I don't think David Ortiz is going to have a what was it? Eighteen hundred OPS at any point in this in this uh, postseason, but he might shoot. Brock Holt might go crazy all of a sudden. Jackie Bradley might get on a streak. You know who knows? I mean, it's just Sandy. I don't even know if Sandy Lane was going to play. You know, it's Brandon Guyer could be the savior for all we know. And nothing, there's always going to be something weird happening in a baseball series. It's just yeah, I have to it's count funny. on hope. I suppose hope and, and irrational yeah, irrational <laughs> enthusiasm. So if we want to lump just these last three games together, because, I mean, it's Tomlin against imaginary pitcher right now. We don't know. Maybe Eduardo Rodriguez. But I'm hoping Stephen Wright, just knuckleballer in the postseason, is <laughs> not even starting a game four or five or something like that. Is he like even that, pitching yeah. now? I thought he was I still mean, out. Is he still out? I don't even know. I'm, just, I'm pretty know, sure. Because of the greatest he... managerial decision ever. <sighs> to pinch run one of your best pitchers. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, pretty sure he's still out. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Well, not pitching in the LDS. God damn it. <laughs> Sorry, are you mad about that? I like I like knuckle bars. I don't know. Yeah, you are aware that the Indians are playing the Red Sox, right? Like <laughs> this is not the series to go for what you hope is aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> let, let, let me have what I want. All right, come on. I what if I, I think about you want. Knuckleballers can also have a terrible start. Well, and, there you and, go. Honestly, as good as Purcello and Price are, and I think that's a better one. To, you know, if 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 Carrasco was healthy, I'd take Kluber and Carrasco yeah. over the two of them, probably. As is, that's a better one, too. After those two, the Red Sox rotation doesn't have anyone who's better than Josh Tomlin. Oh, that's true. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know who's going to start, if it's going to be Eduardo Rodriguez or if... Play I mean, buckles. <laughs> I, I mean, they don't have an option who's better. And that's not to say that Josh Tomlin is awesome. That's just the honest state of their rotation is mm-hmm. two really, really good pitchers and then junk right now. So... I mean, Josh Tomlin makes me in Fenway makes me nervous too. Um, it feels like I'd be stunned if he doesn't give up at least one home run there. Um, I but the Indians too. Be able to get their licks in in that game too. So I, I, I'm fine with winning nine to seven, and Josh Tomlin looks terrible if that's what it comes down to. Oh yeah, I'm fine with that. I just don't want that in game two. <laughs> but I think that's probably what's going to happen in game three if the Indians win. I don't expect a lot of low scoring games here at all. The biggest thing for me is going to see, um, like Merritt mentioned it a little bit, is just Danny Salazar. What happens with him if he pitches at all? And then maybe even like seeing, like one of my favorite things in the playoffs is starting pitchers just coming in for bullpen. So that'd be kind of neat to see Trevor Bauer come in and if game three or four is an elimination game or something. Kind of like what he did in Toronto when he pitched those, what was it, five shutout innings in the 19 games? 
I could see Bauer on the sidelines yelling, put me in, coach, and him going in at some point, which would be Yeah, nice. but I mean, he's supposed to pitch game four on short rest. I can't use him out of right. the bullpen if he's going to do that. I mean, if he doesn't pitch at a short rest, that's what I mean, if they decide not to. For whatever reason, if they don't. I don't know why they wouldn't, but I just like seeing that. I want to see it happen. Yeah, let so us I have our things we want to see. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, but to me, Clevenger's the guy who could come out of the bullpen and would be interesting to see what he could do. Like, I, I think the plan should be Bauer – you know, coming back for game four, and then Kluber can be on full rest. But Clevenger can be a really interesting guy to the bullpen. So, I mean, I think we can still get what you're talking about. I just think Clevenger's the guy to watch for and doing it instead of Bauer. Does that rule Clevenger out for starting, you think? And uh, if if the Indians make it to the LCS, which is a big F, obviously. But I don't think so. Because we'll need four starters then. I think he could pitch a few innings of relief and then come back to the rotation for the LCS. I don't, it's not like he'd be unstretched out by not starting for you know, a week and a half or whatever. Yeah. And and I don't think they'd want to even try and get a ton out of him if he did start. I think that would be a pseudo bullpen day again. Like it's, it's, it'd be, it'd be a weird thing to see in the postseason to do something like that. But I mean, it's just, that's the fact in the state of the Indians rotation at this point is I think having a day where you actually do see multiple innings out of my, I mean, what would it be? Cody Anderson, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm getting way of my way ahead of myself here, but like, if it works, like the whole doing a bullpen day in the playoffs thing, you know, Terry Francona is going to like, it's going to be a big history thing with how he managed the bullpen and the rotation and everything through all the injuries. Mm-hmm. That's no, going to no, be it, huge. Yeah, it, it'll be a historic moment and yeah. perhaps, I don't know, set the set the stage for an entire sea change in how baseball is played as a in pitching or, or the, or major league baseball will change the rules for how many people you can bring in in an inning or something like that. Because if we, he can make a game really boring if he wanted to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he could just As keep on walking all September. Oh my god! I mean, <laughs> I just I don't want to see thirteen pitchers, and he'd, he'd totally do that if, if you gave him the chance. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I mean, if if he actually pulled off more than one win on a bullpen day in the playoffs, I mean, the Royals with their vaunted bullpen never did that. They always tried to drag six out of their out of their rotate or their starter, right? And then mm-hmm. they went with it. So I don't know if the Indians are the same. Lady think Magic as the Royals, though, but they have the most walk-off wins this year, but it's, just, it's I don't know, it's different. Yeah, I, I hope it ends up being the same. I don't know. <laughs> so, real quick, let's just run through the other postseason matchups. Um, they all wild card. The very first playoff game is tomorrow, or it'll be today when this goes out. It's going to be the Orioles at the Blue Jays. The NL wild card follows that on Wednesday. That's the Giants and Mets at 8. And then the AL wild card with the Rangers... Um, against whoever wins against the Orioles and the Blue Jays is at 4.30 on Thursday. And then, of course, the Indians play at 8 o'clock that night. On Friday, it's the Dodgers at the Nationals at 5.30. And also on Friday, it's the winner of Giants and Mets playing the Cubs at 9. So um, what do you guys think of like these first-round matchups coming up here? I think they're awesome. I think they're such, I think they're <laughs> they're such awesome. polar opposites. I mean, Orioles-Blue Jays are going to be, we expect to be, what, like 10 to 9, and it'll probably be 2 to 1. And then the uh, the Giants met is what Bumgarner and Cindergard, and we expect that to be two to one. It's probably going to be you know eight to seven or something like that. But no, I think they're, they're such fun wild card games. They're, 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 it's going to be a good time. What about you, Jason? Yeah, same thing. I think they're interesting matchups. Uh, the exact thing you said. A lot of offense expected on Tuesday, and then two of the I don't know dozen best pitchers in baseball going on Wednesday. Uh, I will go out and then I'm going to force you guys to go out in the same limb or the opposite limb. But uh, I, I'm going to go with both road teams. I'm going to say Baltimore and San Francisco win. Who do you guys have winning the wild card games? I had Toronto and San Francisco. I think uh, I think Toronto and no, not the Giants. Not this time. I, I think the Mets win that one. I'm just you just don't big... want it to happen. No, I don't want. No, I'm tired of that. We're, we're done with that now. Although so let's just no. take another step further. What about the wild or the so, assuming your picks win, what about in the the DS games? So, for Jason, what about Orioles and Rangers for you? Uh, it'd be interesting. I mean, I picked Baltimore to beat Toronto, although I think I picked Toronto to win the American League before the season started. I guess <laughs> I should probably continue to pick them while, while my preseason pick is still alive. But uh, if it's Baltimore in Texas, I feel like those are the two worst American League postseason teams. Uh, I think the Indians and Red Sox and Blue Jays are all are better than them. Uh, so I think that'd be good for for the Rangers. I think the Orioles are the one team I'd pick them to beat in a series. So I would pick the Rangers uh, winning that series. Merritt, Blue Jays and Rangers? Um, who won that series last year? Was that the Blue Jays? 
<laughs> and the Rangers Did were sure? really pissed. Yeah, Blue Jays again. <laughs> Screw you, Texas. <laughs> Close up on Jonathan Luke right crying. At you. Everybody okay, wins. Okay I'll allow it. <laughs> so then, Dodgers and Nationals, Jason. Wait, what about? Whoa, whoa, whoa. You don't. You what? have to make your pick. Yeah. I don't have to make a pick. No, it's going to be Blue Jays. Obviously, Rangers aren't going to win a series. We're <laughs> not allowed to. <laughs> I don't know. Do we want the Rangers to win just so the Indians can play them? If the Indians win, obviously, we have to keep saying that. But would you rather the Rangers win just so the Indians can play them in the ALCS? I'd rather they play the. I'd rather play the Rangers because I think the Rangers are a worse team. I don't know. They're because of the CMB. I forgot how good their pitching was. I looked like they they're really they have some really good pitchers on that team. And I was also reading an article today, or it might have just been a Reddit post. I'm not sure which. It all blurs together at this point. <laughs> it's uh, all. It's all, it's all writing on the internet, whatever. Uh, but just uh, the reason, one of the reasons that their, um, what do you call that, uh, run differential is so mm-hmm. skewed is because they're, like, the back half of their bullpen is dreadful. Like, the, the their garbage guys, their garbage in guys essentially are super garbagey. <laughs> so they just gave up a ton of runs. So I think I'd rather they play the Blue Jays because they could beat them. But just for cathar- you know, catharsis, I suppose, to kind of make that trade sit comfortably with me i'd like them to play the, the uh, rangers i don't know i just rangers. What i think is interesting is both of you guys and i think the vast majority of sports fans tend to view who they would play next in terms of who they would be most satisfied to beat yeah this is about <laughs> yeah. emotion yeah come on but i am the opposite i want to avoid that because the team that would be most satisfying to beat would be most frustrating to lose to and i really view it as like if they're going to lose who am i going to be least catatonic about having watched them lose to so <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what that, that I, i'm certain that says something about me i'm not exactly <laughs> sure what it says but i know it says something about me that's your that risk of birth, I guess. A, play the team i'm gonna be least agonized by losing to in case that's what it comes <laughs> to i mean i'm here to feel feelings man whether good or bad i don't know it's, it's it'll be painful to lose to the rangers yes but my dad's a so Red good Sox to fan, too, so they got to get past that jump first so I can make a mean phone call to my old man. That'll teach him to like the Red Sox. <laughs> so now we can move on. What about the Dodgers and Nationals, Jason? Well, I picked the Nationals to win the National League before the season started, and so keeping in my tradition of completely going against my preseason predictions now, I will predict that the Dodgers beat the Nationals. <laughs> Merit? I, I, I got to agree with that one, yeah. I, I mean... I've been living in D.C. for four months now, and I've I've just been kind of I've seen the Nationals play three times in person. I'm not impressed, not impressed at all. Plus, Bryce Harper is uh, I don't know, maybe he's bad now. Who knows? But uh, no, they're a little too dinged up. Yeah. Um, I I just think the pitching for the for the Dodgers will carry them handily to whatever next level it, it, it gets them to. Yeah, I don't think Dodgers were my World Series pick. I think I had the Cardinals in the NL, but I had at least the Dodgers winning the NL West. So I'll go with them again over the Nationals. So what about uh, your I will say, like, in terms of just aesthetic, like, I'm obviously the Indians are what I'm most excited about. Uh, but for, for what I enjoy about baseball, game one of that series, which is Clayton Kershaw versus Max Scherzer, mm-hmm. is, is pretty close to my ideal baseball game right there. Although, would that be game one, though? No, it would definitely be game one. Yeah. Oh, I, well, uh, actually, I was thinking yeah. of the DS. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would have to be. I mean, they're not going to throw Strasburg yeah. out there. Yeah. It's definitely game one. It's Friday night. Uh, the Indians are the early game that day, right? I think so, yeah. No, Friday. it's the CSs that play on the same day, right? Wait. Friday, October 7th, um, the Indians play at 4.30, and the Dodgers play at, why did I press that button? 5.30, so. Oh, wait, and they're going to overlap. Oh, dang it. Yeah, That's it's, a it's, major <laughs> bummer. Yeah, the late game is the Cubs and the wildcard team. I'll be yeah. flipping back at commercial breaks between and on it. But that, I mean, that's, so that'll watch those price, commercials. That'll be, that means that'll be Price, Kluber, and Kershaw, Scherzer going at the same time. That's a lot of good pitching to start your weekend off with. It is a lot of good pitching. And the Cubs, whoever they throw out there, and then uh, yeah, oof. yes, exactly. They'll have someone good too. They also have good pitching. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and I, I will quickly say, and we I all just have the Cubs winning whoever they play. I'm, right? Yeah, I'm going with the Cubs first. Whoever <laughs> yes. they play, I guess so. So let's I don't jump know. ahead. So what are World Series? Are we not going to have the Cubs? <laughs> We're going to say screw it and make a pick to be completely wrong. Make a World Series pick now. <laughs> uh, Indians have over Dodgers. I the Blue Jays and Nationals to lose. Can I go against my own picks from two minutes ago and go back to the <laughs> season pick? 
<laughs> yeah, it's the internet. Nothing's real. Go for it. Some way or another, I'm going to be able to say I was right. Uh, I'm Based on the matchups right now and the way I'd be picking things out, I'm, I'm sorry to say I'd be picking Red Sox over Cubs. I was going to say, I don't know if I want to say mine because I might not be allowed to run the site anymore because I was going to say Red Sox too. Uh. Either Red Sox over Cubs or Red Sox over Dodgers would be my pick. Yeah, I'm going uh, Indians over Dodgers. Maybe the Dodgers could win that one, though. Yeah, I mean, if they wanted yeah. to. I don't know. But yeah, Indians over Dodgers. I don't I, get people like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think the Cubs will lose. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, think, I think they'll lose. I really do. Best team, yeah, they're great. Whatever. I don't know. They, they <laughs> it always seems to happen. The best team never just glides through like they should. Oh, okay. in baseball. Well, unless you're the... Yankees. No, we don't count the Yankees. <laughs> they don't, they're not people. We're talking about people in baseball. <laughs> they're mutant people, yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I don't get people seem to be upset that like ESPN and other people are saying like the Red Sox might win or pick. It's not like a totally egregious pick to pick the team that's not injured. <laughs> no, not at <laughs> all. Still you're picking really a, good. It's a you're picking a pick. better team. Yes. Yeah, yeah. well, the Indians win, they're doing it as underdogs. I think I can admit that. That, there's nothing there's that's nothing a good bold thing. about picking the, the Cubs to win the World Series, you know? It's like, oh no way, they're the curse will get them for sure. Maybe. Maybe <laughs> the not. goat or something. I don't know. Yeah. A goat will bite them. Look at tetanus. <laughs> yeah. You already said yours, right, Jason? Yeah, yes. you did. You both picked Red Sox. <laughs> I, I let off. I went Red Sox over Cubs, which is like the opposite of what I want in oh, almost God. every possible way. Um <laughs> but I also tend to pick what I don't want to have happen. It's like a buffer against the annoyance I'm going to feel. <laughs> you just don't want to be annoyed ever, right? <laughs> well, I'm going to be annoyed. So it's like giving myself some small glimmer of satisfaction in the sea of annoyance I know I'm going to be washed in. Yep. Okay. So let's move on to the last thing here. Uh, every, well, I was going to say every Thursday, but not every Thursday now. No. Mostly every Monday, probably from now on. We'll be asking on Twitter and Facebook for questions. Then we answer on the podcast. Most of them are baseball questions. Sometimes they're about fruits on pizza or other random things. But this week, our first one comes from, there's a theme here, Pinstripe Alley. It's our the Yankees SB Nation site. I think this is maybe the third week in a row they've asked an Andrew Miller question. <laughs> this time, it's why isn't a team that employs Andrew Miller automatically allowed to advance? I, I, I agree with them. I think if you have Andrew Miller, you're allowed to go to the next round. I'll tell you why. Bud Selig. Wait, who's the, who's the commissioner now? <laughs> Whoever the commissioner. Rob Mendrin hates yeah, the one. Indians. That's what it is. <laughs> East Coast bias. That's why. He's ignoring the Andrew Miller rule because he hates the Indians. Yeah. Did you say East Coast bias? I did. <laughs> Spin off from that. If, <laughs> if the Indians could have a advance through this round automatically card, they would still play the games. It was like some sort of genie thing. They're still going to play the games. Uh, stuff's, you know, there's still going to be exciting moments, but secretly you could ensure they were going to win one series. Would you just play it now against Boston to know they're going to win a postseason series for the first time in nine years and then take your chances? Or would you roll the dice with beating Boston and then play it for the ALCS? Or would you roll the dice and save oh, it for if they got to the World Series? That's a darn good question. Can I wish for three more wishes? <laughs> no. <laughs> Does it carry over to next season if they lose? Uh, like if you don't use it, right? Yeah, I, well, no, I don't use, you have to use oh, it this damn. season. I think I use it against Boston because I think it's one of the harder matchups anyway, and I'd rather just see him win one at the very least. Yeah. If I'd they win a playoff series, that's a successful season for me. I'd say a similar thing. I mean, I'm the kind of guy who, in a video game, I use all my potions immediately rather than saving them for some <laughs> theoretical future against some boss that I'll never see. Yes. So yeah, I'd probably burn it now and then uh, for the best later. Maybe I'll find another potion that lets me win uh, <laughs> win a postseason thing. You never know. Never overlook the, the possibility of a second advance to this playoff series. <laughs> there's always and a second it, genie out there somewhere. It happened once. You know, there's in the in the original Aladdin story. There's two genies, one in a lamp and one in a something else. But in the original story, there's two genies. Everyone, not just one. Really? Voice by yeah, yeah, and the uh, yeah. There is. It's in something different, something smaller. Not a yeah. lamp, but something else like that. Yeah. Is this going to cost Disney too much to get Robin Williams to do twice as many voices? Oh, they, they, he they, just they, wanted they, a slightly higher pitch. Well, they, they cast Christopher Walken, but the voice scared children. So they decided <laughs> to nix that from the whole story, and they just went with Robin Williams. Yeah. Well, now I want a remake of Christopher Walken. The, the oh, yeah. live action remake of <laughs> Aladdin with Christopher Walken as the genie. I'm okay what were we talking already... about? Anyway, Jason, would you use your card? Yeah, no, I would definitely use it right away. <laughs> if 
Now, if it did carry over for like forever, I would wait until the Indians reached the World Series at some point. That's a um, long time to wait. But yeah, I would <laughs> what also be you never do when you're like about to die. You just use it and like, what if you die in the middle <laughs> of the season? Yes, I'm you about to die and I just use it on like a regular season. Royals <laughs> <laughs> in July. Like, ah, screw it, let's beat the Royals this weekend. I'm running out of time here. <laughs> That'd be the worst. And nobody even knows you did it because they might have just won anyway. Who knows? <laughs> and they just happen to be a 105-win team anyway. Yeah, and it's like, well, they're 108 wins. All right. And then they lost in the postseason because they didn't <laughs> wish. There you go. And you're dead in an alley somewhere because you used your wish too late. See, Jason, this is what happens. <laughs> <laughs> so our next question uh, comes from R. Jills on Twitter. So stick with me here. I'm going to read it exactly as you asked it, and then I'll translate it. Okay. Do we trade for Miller without Brantley injury plus Abe suspension? Without those events, we likely don't learn that we have what we have in Naquin, and without learning Naquin can play. Do we have the guts to trade Frazier? And if no Frazier, do we get Miller? So basically what he's saying is without Brantley's injury, a lot of things are different right now. So do you think the Indians end up trading for Andrew Miller? Do they end up – does Naquin get the shot that he has? We've talked about it before that Naquin even playing is a big benefit of a bunch of things happening, like Abe suspension and Michael Brantley's shoulder injury. So do you think if those two things don't happen and Tyler Naquin just suddenly emerged, do the Indians, are they comfortable trading Todd Frazier for, or Todd Frazier, Clint Frazier for Andrew Miller, or would they do it anyway because they wanted the bullpen? I think they would have because yeah. Naquin's emergence, if it made them feel like Frazier was expendable, if Brantley was healthy and playing well, I feel like Frazier would have been equally expendable. Like I understand he's younger and at some point, even if Brantley were healthy this year, you'd have to think about his replacement. I don't think Brantley's healthy playing well and the Indians in terms of wins and losses are in the exact same situation. I think they make the same trade. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think they make the trade because I don't think it had to do with anything other than, than them needing more bullpen help. Like the other thing that Brantley's injury helped do was show Jose Ramirez, obviously. And you wonder if that would have happened so readily. And he's literally replaced Michael Brantley. So you can almost imagine Michael Brantley is still there. But, no, I, I think that if Tyler Naquin had never existed as a player he is, they still would have moved Clint Frazier because, I mean, they're prospects. And, they're, and it's a team in a win-now win mode, and this, is, this guy is probably the best reliever in the American League at this point. Yep. I don't know. Yeah. I think you can't look at it as that many moving parts because it's Frazier— It's tempting to, is, but you can't. Oh, no, exactly. It, it, Tr- Frazier is just a very good prospect, and— uh, Miller is just, a, is just a, an amazing reliever, and they just need more relief pitching, and they have to happen to have a bunch of very good outfield prospects. And you know, I mean, I don't think Naquin is as good as he as his numbers suggest. I think next year is going to show us some significant dipping. He's not going to be you know sub replacement load or anything like that. I think he's still going to be an okay player, but you know, I just I don't, I don't think it's it's there's just that as many moving parts as that question suggests. Yep. To me, the what if isn't would they have made that trade? The what if is just. How does the whole season play out? Like, let's say Brantley's healthy enough to stay on the field, but isn't performing like he did the last couple of years. Let's say he's like, you know, a 270 hitter, 15 home runs. He's good enough that they're going to continue to play him. He hits kind of um, like he did before he broke out. That kind of a guy? Like, he's yeah, a good... He goes back to that. Yeah. And then to think about what all plays differently. How different is Jose Ramirez's playing time? Does Naquin come up? And if he does, how much, like... There's a lot of, I don't think Naquin's as, as good as his numbers either, but the fact is, you know, for a, most of the season that he was up, he was doing really well, and that helped mm-hmm. him in the games. Jose Ramirez is legitimately, like, one of the, you know, five or six best players in the team this season, so he's a huge boost. Like, I, I, I don't think they lost much from Brantley's absence because the guys who took, because Ramirez and Naquin were so good. And so if Brantley hadn't been injured, just hadn't been especially good, uh, and, you know, we never got to see as much of Ramirez or Naquin or one or the other or both. Uh, that, to me, is a big, like, it, it's weird that Michael Brantley's injury in some ways really helped the Indians this year. It's much better that he was hurt than that <laughs> was just so-so but was healthy. Plus the, uh, the whole Juan Uribe thing. I mean, Uribe is a good, you know, clubhouse presence, but he could not hit at all. And so, really, I mean, him being being removed from the team – in addition to you know, all the other stuff going on, allowed Jose Ramirez to slot in and be a great defender at third also. Like, probably as good as, if not better than Uribe, and also like Michael Brantley. So, 
Yeah, the, the Brantley injury, I think, it's amazing to think of it. It's one of the most important things that happened to the Indies in the last four or five years. But Yeah, definitely. It, no, it, that that more than anything, as you said, Jason, is is more important than any trade really that was made. Yeah, And we also don't know what kind of impact just Uribe Bay had on Ramirez because we know they were close to right. the So that's the kind of thing you can't really know without being there. I mean, would they, would they have had Ramirez on the, on the roster all this time, all that time, had Brantley not been on the DL along with Chisholm I don't know. There's, that's, that's a whole different, that's a whole, that's an entire podcast where the conversations, <laughs> they kind of ramble about, you know, the, the what ifs of the world, but it's amazing that that injury allowed all those things. And yeah, as you said, the, the impact on Ramirez has been very well documented. I mean, let's ask that question though. If, Brantley had been healthy and hitting as he as he as we hoped him to. Let's let's say he was a three ten, you know, three sixty, four eighty hitter. Would they have kept and and everything else had gone the same? Would they have kept Jose Ramirez? Would he have had that shot at all? I mean, where I guess would he have gotten that gotten a chance for consistent playing time? I guess I'd ask you guys. Yeah, I don't know anywhere because Juan Uribe. They wouldn't. I, I think Juan Uribe. They were more comfortable letting him go because Jose Ramirez was so good. And if they didn't know he was so good, would they have been comfortable letting Juan Uribe go? Would it have taken? Know. Would it have taken until um, Marlon Byrd got suspended? Because that was a big thing too. That's the that's the real thing that allowed a lot of playing time. I right? Am I am I right? Then well, Byrd would be pointless at that point, wouldn't he? Right. He played left field a lot. Right. Uh, this thing wouldn't have been a big factor. I don't think. Hmm. It just would have bumped Ramirez into the backup role, I guess. Yeah, he would. He would have just been a utility player, and I just I don't think yeah. there's enough playing time sitting around. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe baseball rosters are interesting. I think. Yeah. One of the things I like most about way more than like basketball. Only five people. Who cares? And football. Football's I guess that confusing. one's pretty interesting too. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, we're gonna wrap up with probably my favorite question because it's one of my announcer pet peeves. Uh, New Cheddar Wolf on Twitter wants to know how much will the shadows play into the game Friday afternoon? Because oh. gee, I'm so sick of this. <laughs> Every single afternoon game, when the shadows start to get over home plate, we have to spend an inning talking about how they affect hitters. Every single game. All right. So, what time is the game on Friday? Is it five or four thirty? All right. What is the angle of the sun? On, <laughs> I mean, maybe that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, maybe not at all because the the angle of the sun will be different because it's October that it'll already be covering the field. I don't know. Either Which, way, we're gonna have to hear about it because there's gonna be a shadow partway on the field, and then we're gonna spend an inning. Talking about how the spin doesn't catch the ball every time. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I hate it so much. Is it just me or is it really annoying? Am I just crazy and I shouldn't notice that as much as I do? I mean, I think it's an absurd thing. It, there's some there's some truth to it, right? I mean, it is kind of... They have, I guess, but not enough to point it out every single game. I, need to, I mean, maybe not every, every single in, inning, you know? It's, but yeah. if you guys watch that fastball documentary, like that really kind of highlights how much actual time a pitcher or a hitter has to pick up a ball. And if it suddenly gets dimmer in that sort of 0.23 seconds or whatever it is that they have when the ball leaves a pitcher's hand and gets to the 45-foot mark or whatever it is, maybe it is real. I don't know. Maybe it'll... I'm gonna I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna search up for this after I get off the uh, the podcast with you guys about angle of the sun and whatnot on, on Friday afternoon to see see if they're gonna come back tomorrow with a whole diagram and a whole presentation about exactly. the angle of the sun lines and whatnot. Oh yeah, wind. Yeah. What do you think, Jason? Am I just nuts or is it, is it worth pointing out every damn time? Well, two things. One, I will again uh, point out the benefits of watching baseball with the volume turned <laughs> yes. low enough that you're not really paying attention. Another point for you in terms of that, yes. <laughs> which is my big thing, because whether there's anything to it or not, if they're talking about it every game, it's because they're never saying anything significant about it. If they were, it wouldn't have to continue to be a topic of discussion. Uh, so if they're bringing it up, it's another thing they're bringing up without really having anything informative to say anything about. So yep. turn the volume down to four, just enough to hear the sounds of the game a little bit. And uh, you guys are grownups. You know how baseball works. You don't need <laughs> someone to tell you it was a ground ball to the shortstop or that there are shadows around the field. Am I a grown-up, though? You don't know me. <laughs> You're not my dad. Yeah. You don't know that. <laughs> oh, God. What? <laughs> I know you're like, what, 70, 60 years old, something like that? Way down there? Well, now the question is, did I mean that as in, I literally, I, Jason Lucart, conceived you however many years ago, or did I mean that in secretly you are talking to your father and I've just been disguising my voice? 
go clean your room. <laughs> oh, damn. That could be happening. I was trying to think of a question that only he would know, but then I couldn't think of one at the top of my head. Exactly. It's like this I don't know which one to shoot scenario. <laughs> <laughs> Are you Jason or fake dad? I don't know. Oh, yeah. That's all we got. That's all our questions. Um, anything exciting for you guys coming up? Other than the postseason, obviously. No, there's literally nothing outside of like important parts of my personal life that is more exciting to me than postseason baseball. So we got some time. Let's go into that. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. There, there's a hole in my ceiling in my apartment, so I got that going for me. Oh, that's you know, good. Yeah, it's it's super great when there's water dripping through your your living room. <laughs> you can hide snacks up there. It was well, it's, it really elevates the dankness of the uh, of the apartment. All of a sudden, I went from nice enough apartment near Georgetown to flop house. If I wasn't going to not... call this episode ALDS preview, I wouldn't call it enhancing the dankness. <laughs> You're welcome. I might do it anyway. I don't know. That's for our special on the career retrospective of John Danks. <laughs> or Chris Perez. Either one. Both. Why not both? <laughs> okay. So, uh, anything else, Merritt? No, I'm uh, just, you know, Life is life, isn't it? Yeah. Holes in roofs. Dank mm-hmm. Well, thank you again for joining us. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, anytime. I really enjoyed it. I haven't done this in yeah. a while, and I, I liked it a lot. And I'll, I'll have this information on the angle of the sun in Cleveland, you Ohio, on oh. October 7th? October 7th. I want this on my desk tomorrow. I'll have it there for you, boss. <laughs> okay. Thank <laughs> you, everyone, for listening. Thanks again, Barrett, for joining us. Oh, it was fun, man. See you next week. Bye.